Hello, you are watching the Le Nobel Spray video series on the theology of the body, and this audience or this video is dedicated to audience 51. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. All right, so we are going to continue where we left off from the previous audience by now diving into the text of St. Paul. So the previous audience kind of introduced St. Paul as de really developing this concept of the purity of heart. And this purity of heart, St. Paul is going to describe as life according to the Holy Spirit. And so the next few audiences are dedicated to examining this topic, starting with Galatians 5, verse 17. So this verse states, quote, the flesh has desires contrary to the spirit and the spirit has desires contrary to the flesh, end quote. Um, one thing we should observe here, first of all, is that the word spirit is capitalized. And that's to emphasize the fact that we are, or the text here is referencing the Holy Spirit. So when you see spirit and capital, a capitalized S, that means you need to think about it as the third person of the Holy Trinity. And so now this text here describes a tension within man's innermost being, that is his heart, and that there is a power within the heart of man that's a fruit of original sin, where the body has set itself against the spirit and can gain it the upper hand. So if we recall, what happened is before the man fell in the state of original innocence, the relationship to the body and soul was in harmony. The body obeyed the soul. But afterwards, after Adam and Eve ate the fruit and disobeyed God, the body now rebels against the spirit. And St. Paul here describes that rebellion because the flesh now has desires contrary to that of the Holy Spirit. And so these desires, the flesh, are in opposition to what is objectively good for man. And so this dominance of the flesh, JP2 observes, coincides with the concept of concupiscence from St. John's letter, his first letter, that is. And just to recall, the St. John's concept of the threefold concupiscence is the concupiscence of the eyes, the concupiscence of the flesh, and the pride of life. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything more you'd like to add about Galatians 5, verse 17? I do not. Okay. Moving on then. So the meaning of flesh. So Galatians 5 verse 17 uses this concept of flesh. Now we need to take a moment and talk about it. So in footnote 59, we need to note that sinful flesh is not identified with the psychical body. Hmm. The psychical. I wonder if that's supposed to be the physical body. I think so. I don't recall seeing psychical anywhere. 
I'm wondering about that. Yo, you, okay, you no, you, then you could be right. I could be. Let's see, fifty nine. Physical body. That's supposed to be physical body. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do I put? Psychical. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Anyways, sinful flesh is not identified with the physical body. And flesh is understood as a vehicle of the self and how it relates to the external world and the lower levels of experience. So think about it. When you act as a person, right, you're interacting with the world through your body. When you see, your eyes are seeing. When you taste something, it's with your mouth. When you hug someone, it's with your body and your arms, right? How you relate to the external world is through flesh. So that's just two simple points to keep in mind about the meaning of flesh here. According to the biblical concept, um, the Greek word here for flesh is sarks. So something else to keep in mind. And we do have two false meanings of flesh that St. Paul is going to be arguing against in the text here. And this is in reference to footnote 60. And the first is when you have the Jewish, why would you say pagans? That's silly. This is a very silly slide. It should be the Jewish Christians that demanded that the pagan converts to Christianity get circumcision. So the Jewish Christians during the time of Jesus, or I should say after the time of Jesus, during the times of the apostles, they were demanding that those who converted to Christianity from their pagan religions, that they should also get circumcision. And circumcision was one of the laws of the Old Testament. And so Flesh, then, was understood as a symbol of submission to the laws of the Old Testament. And St. Paul is arguing against this idea. A second idea is the pneumatics, and they believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is uh, man's divinization. And so flesh, in this view, is understood to be all that brings man It's understood as all that brings man to the object of concupiscence. So I guess what it's really getting at is that the body is not really participating in this divinization. So that, so then you get the separation between flesh and spirit and morality. Whereas St. Paul He's going to distinguish between the object of an action and the flesh. So the thing to keep in mind with these two false views is that St. Paul is going to argue that man is enslaved once he entrusts himself to flesh, but he is not necessarily enslaved by flesh until he makes that choice himself. And this comes back to this distinction between object and the flesh, right? 
you can have the object of an action, what's happening, such as when a man or woman decide to fornicate, that's the object, and then you have to flash, right? That's a careful distinction. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything you'd like to add about this? Kind of, because right. something that I'm interpreting, judging by these distortions of the flesh, is kind of an idolatry of the self. So as JP2 mentioned previously, that the body is the hinge of salvation. The flesh, I believe, is the hinge of salvation. That is true. Our interpretation of the meaning of the body is distorted in a way that yeah, we think this is going to, that this is the answer, and it is, but in inaccurate ways. Was, was that all, Guillermo? That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, okay. I just noticed the awkward pause. I was wondering if I was going to say something. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on then. So, two lives. Well, we should first note the meaning of world. So, for St. Paul, God is forgotten in this realm that's called the world because the world has abandoned itself to the impurity of the heart and sexual deviancy. And this disfigures the sexual, social, economic, and cultural spheres of man's life. For St. John, the world is the place of threefold concupiscence. It is the place of Christ's enemies and of false prophets who try and seduce the faithful away from Christ. So there's two meanings of the world, and I would say they are connected with each other. Right, because if you're giving yourself to impurity, you're living according to concupiscence. So, don't ha you don't have to think of these two concepts as, as disjoint, but as interpenetrating. So, there are two lives in Saint Paul's works. You have life according to the flesh, which is opposite to life according to the Holy Spirit, and it's a real reality that is different from that of the spirit and so you have a tension and conflict between the spirit and the flesh that is imminent that means it's taking place within man within his heart and so saint or i could say saint jp2 connects this desire that is spoken of in matthew 5 which we spent many videos talking about as living in accordance to the flesh. So concupiscent desire, living according to concupiscent desire is living according to the flesh. So one term that you probably have seen shown up a lot in this audience and will show up a lot in some of the future ones is the concept of justification. So justification is a precise theological term within Catholic and Christian theology, for that matter, though other Christian denominations have their own views. 
what we'll simply state is the true meaning of justification because it is the Catholic view and it is defined as dogma. So we can, we'll begin with JP2's definition here at the top from TOB 51, Article 3. And that is, quote, the power of Christ himself working in man's innermost being through the Holy Spirit, end quote. So to get a better idea of what is going on inside of man through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can refer to the catechism here. The catechism has a great section on justification. And so in paragraph 1987, we read, quote, the grace of the Holy Spirit has power to justify us, that is, to cleanse us of our, from our sins and to communicate to us the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ and through baptism, end quote. So the Holy Spirit justifies us through grace, and this cleanses us from our sin and communicates God's righteousness to us. And this is done through baptism. Now we have a statement here by the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent is a extensive, um, it, give, it gives a extensive theological treatment on justification. So if you are interested, check out the decree on justification if you want to dive deeper into the theology. So in chapter seven, which is also quoted in the Catechism, we read that justification is not merely a remission of is not merely remission of sins, but also the sanctification and renewal of the interior man through the voluntary reception of the grace and gifts. So, justification is remission of sin. It is man's sanctification, and it's a renewal of man. And this is done because the man has will through his will freely accepted God's grace and gifts. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the power behind this. And if we, if, if you look at um, chapter seven, again, of the decree of justification, um, the church does outline the causes. So you have the final cause, what is the end or purpose of justification, the glory of God and eternal life, the efficient cause, how is who what's the agent who is doing this it's god who washes us and it's an infusion of god's grace that is god's very own divine life is being infused in man the meritorious cause is christ through his death and resurrection on the cross through christ's passion through his life death and resurrection he has merited for us god's grace he has redeemed man the instrumental cause is baptism. This is how it takes place. You could think of the instrumental cause as like, if you're going to build a house, well, in order to do that, you need some hammer and nails. So the instruments be the hammer and nails for building up the house. And the formal cause this is referring to the whatness. What is it exactly that we're talking about with justification? And that is God's justice. Or as the catechism said, 
God's righteousness. Um, if you're wondering about this discussion of causes, final, efficient, formal, and if we add on the material cause, those are the four causes from Aristotle's metaphysics, in case you were wondering. So there is a little bit of kind of the Aristotelian analysis being introduced here with these concepts of the final, efficient, formal, and we can throw in there the instrumental causes. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything you'd like to add about justification? Um, I don't. Thank you, though. Okay. Moving on, then. Uh, just a brief note that this is just kind of give you an idea of what justification is, and I will refer you to the catechism and the decree of justification from the Council of Trent for more information. We just want a working idea of what JP2 is referring to for the purposes of understanding this audience. All right. Uh, Guillermo, would you like to read the text here? Yes, I would. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit on the things of the spirit. But the desires of the flesh lead to death, while the desires of the spirit lead to life and peace. In fact, the desires of the flesh are in revolt against God because they do not submit to God's law, nor are they able to. Those who live according to the flesh cannot please God, but you are not an under dominion of the flesh, but of the spirit from the moment that the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of justification. The one who raised Jesus from the dead will give life also to, also to your mortal bodies by his spirit, which dwells in you. The word of the Lord. Uh, thank you, Guillermo. Yeah. So we first began talking about Galatians 5. Now we are moving on to Romans 8 with this wonderful text here. So some reflections we can note is that Romans 8 describes a return to the, quote, beginning and the origin of life according to the flesh. That is to say, it's referencing man in the state of original innocence that is the the beginning and then the origin of life according to the flesh that is original sin now this text here is also looking forward to the future to the final victory of christ over sin and death so we keep in mind now that this justification and Christ is intended for historical man. That is every single human person who has the stain of original sin. Justification is meant for all of us. And justification is essential for the interior man, for the heart of man. And justification has real power to work within man. And it reveals itself in his actions. Just keep in mind that if a man's justified, he has the Holy Spirit working within him. 
And if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, working his gifts through you, that is a source for a renewal and deeper deeper intimacy of understanding who you are as a person and you gain mastery over yourself. It's a, it's such a renewal of our personhood. Just having that power of the Holy Spirit working within us and through us. It's truly a transformation of ourselves, how we understand ourselves, and how we interact with the world. Um, do you have any thoughts, Guillermo, about Romans 8 here? No, I do not. Okay. We will continue on. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 23. So, again, quote. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-mastery, end quote. So, we could see here that in Galatians 5, that life according to the flesh has both interior and exterior actions. The works of the flesh are the fruit of the threefold concupiscence, and that the New Testament ethos has actions as the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and his fruit is, master, is a mastery over the threefold concupiscence. So, more on this fruit of the spirit. So, fruit, the meaning of fruit and the uh, phrase fruit of the spirit, it emphasizes of God's action within man, the effect of the action of the Holy Spirit, and this fruit is a gift. So, behind the fruit of the spirit is a decision by man. Man must choose virtue. There, there has to be this effort of the will. And so then the Holy Spirit is going to be the reason why man is stronger over flesh that, and that the Holy Spirit has stronger desires than desires the flesh. And the Holy Spirit causes its desire to bear good fruit. Um, do you have anything like that, Guillermo? Yes, I would. All because, right. because, like you mentioned in under the first this first section, this first bullet, um, it emphasizes God's action within man, the effect of the action of the Holy Spirit. Whereas uh, the works of the flesh, and this is where JP two points out that Saint Paul is juxtaposing, or well, contrasting, I should say the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit in so far as he, he highlights why the adjectives or I, I, they're not, well, 
the word work versus the word fruit. Work already presupposes that this is what the body, this is what the, the flesh does. This is what it's doing. This is its action. Whereas the fruit of the spirit shows God's action in us. So problem number one, it's our, it's the flesh that is um, going against the spirit. And then number two, it's of course, its own acting quote unquote on its own initiative, just for lack of other words, but then the fruit of the spirit Okay, and then as you said, it's man's decision to let God, paraphrasing what you said, reign in one's heart. And when that happens, the good that comes from the actions of man, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what I wanted to share. Yeah, thank you, Gamera. And that's yeah. a wonderful elaboration. Yeah, thank you. All right. You have anything else, Gamera? Nope. All right. In that case, thank you for watching our video. If you have been enjoying our content, please like, share, subscribe, and comment on our social media. Find us on various platforms, including Facebook and YouTube. And if you have been enjoying our content, please consider making a financial donation through either PayPal or Patreon. Your financial support goes towards the maintenance of our website and the purchasing of materials so that we can continue providing you with great resources such as this video series and our articles on our website. So you can find our articles at lenovelspreet.com and we also have a podcast there. Um, Guillermo, can you give us some more information about our podcast, please? Yes, in our other podcast series, we talk about a variety of topics such as trends in culture and politics and we address them from a catholic personalist perspective you can listen to us on the lenovel esprit website under the podcast page in the podcast page you can also locate us on buzzsprout.com where we upload our episodes and listen to us there or use buzzsprout to locate us in other popular podcasting platforms such as google podcasts apple podcasts and spotify all right thank you let's yes. see here you can find all of our social media at lenovelspreet.com slash subscribe that page has everything links for facebook youtube patreon paypal Everywhere our podcast is distributed. So if you got lost wondering at where do I find this stuff, you can just simply go to laynovaspreet.com slash subscribe. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to add, Guillermo? I would just like to ask our audience to keep us and our mission in your prayers. Yes, please remember to keep us in your prayers. And with that, we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. God bless.